Podcasting from anywhere other than a jail cell, this is Soberholic, a podcast created to encourage, equip, and inspire you to overcome your hurts, habits, and hangups. And now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome to Soberholic Podcast. My name is Roger. I'm in studio. I'm in studio A and you're in studio B. Boy, that's Studio B. Yeah, Studio <laughs> B um, with Jason Rice. And we're going to talk to you about some cool stuff today. Right, yeah. Jason? Oh, yeah. Let's be hanging We're always talking about cool stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. It's always cool. I know we've never had one. Look, we've got garbage planned for you today. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> So, how do you like my studio behind me? I have now finished out the walls. I got my new mic laid in place. I know everybody who's listening to us can't see it, but those who see the videos that we're doing too, they get to see it now. Yeah, we're we're not in the same room because of the whole COVID nineteen thing. So, yeah. well, hopefully, by the time this show airs, though, we'll be past the COVID nineteen. Um, shelter in place or whatever it's called now here in Alabama. I think safer at home. Safer at home, which means yeah. you can leave, but you're encouraged to stay home if you can. And so, um, since we've been doing all this, uh, it's been nice to be able to make separate studios so that we can do it like this. And it, yeah. it's kind of quick, you know, um, yeah. not the difficult, uh, travel times involved now. Yeah. One another. Yeah. But hopefully we can get together some and do this back face to face, because I just miss your beautiful mug. I know. Yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am lying now. So uh, here's what we're going to talk about today, guys. If you're tuning in for the first time, we try to bring uh, content that we believe is beneficial to your recovery. Uh, Jason and I have both been in long-term recovery or still in long-term recovery. That made me, at first made it sound like maybe we had left long-term yeah. recovery. Uh, but no, we're still, still there. And we want to bring content to you that can maybe supplement in between your meeting times. Uh, we're both 12-step, um, followers, walkers, uh, 12-steppers, however you want to say that. But that's how we both got sober is using this 12-steps process. So what we talk about, is usually geared towards those 12 steps. Now, all of the ho- um, all of the visitors that we bring on and speakers may not have that belief, but uh, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, and we welcome different ideas here for us to talk about those things. But today, we're not really talking 12-step per se. We're going to be talking about some rules that we believe that apply to recovery. Um, and if you want to base a, a good foundation and, and lay a good foundation, then these rules would apply to you whether you use a 12-step model or if you use some other kind of model. I think that these are practical things that you must put into your recovery if you're going to stay sober. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and there's plenty of rules. Um, so these are just a few of them. But yeah, when we when we talk about twelve steps, I mean we we also acknowledge that there's many paths to sobriety, and uh, I I actually like talking to somebody who's not a twelve stepper because I like getting you know a different perspective on it, and that there are different viewpoints out there, and there's something to be learned from all of them. So when I put these notes together, I called them rules of recovery, and Jason tried to talk me out of it. He said, look, we need to call them guidelines because addicts and alcoholics do not like rules, and 
guidelines would be much easier and softer, right? Yeah, suggestions. This yeah. is a suggestion. Yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> the suggestions for recovery. See, that just don't sound as it good. Doesn't, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Recovery is what we're going to stick with. So you can call them suggestions. You can call them uh, guidelines. But I would encourage you to call them rules because I believe that they're very important. In fact, if you break enough of these rules, I believe relapse is probably just right around the corner for you. So rule one um, is it can happen to you. Rule one, it can happen to you. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, in recovery, I first came in, um, well, I've been in and out of several different rehabs, probably as some of you have. And the first couple of times it didn't stick because when I went in there, People would share and they would talk about their struggles. Uh, and like for me, when I first went in, it was mainly cocaine. And I would hear other people talking about doing much harder drugs than that. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm not as bad as those folks are. Um, if I get that bad, then I'm going to change. And ultimately, I found out that I got as bad as those people did, that I used to think that I never would get that bad. And so the, the, the best thing I've ever heard is the idea of, of the word yet. And some of you may have heard that. It, it stands for you're eligible too. So whenever you go into recovery, um, whenever you're ready to get sober, remember that you're not above um, all the temptations that's going to come your way. Would you agree, Jason? Oh, yeah. I mean, like whenever I first started going to meetings and, and first actually gave like a real, you know, giving it the college try at trying to be sober um, because there was a long time without I was going to treatment centers coming back, but I wasn't really trying to stay sober afterwards. So when I finally started trying to be in, in recovery, I really walked into the meetings thinking that I was different than everybody else. Um, I was terminally different than everybody else. And I would hear people tell these stories some of them horrible, um, and um, you know, I would just be like, "That's that's not me. I'm not like these people." Even though there was parts of my story that were really worse than some of theirs, um, but yeah, I just I came into it looking for the differences, and you know, really, you know, kind of set me up for failure because I kind of carried that with me, um, and after multiple years of sobriety, I, I ended up relapsing. And I'm sure that played a part in it is I look I look back now. I was I was coming. I was right at three years sober um, at my my first go around um, at, 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 in recovery. And when I kind of think back now, like before I relapsed, like I really I, I did not think I could relapse like I and I really thought that I knew everything about recovery and that I knew how to stay sober, and I really thought that I, I, I had the whole, like, I got this, you know. I really had that down, and I think that's one of the things that kind of led to my, my relapse was thinking that, you know, uh, it, wa it wasn't going to happen to me, you know, and that I'm different than all of you guys, and, you know, that ego and that pride was, uh, was kind of what led, led me down that road. So I'm, I'm fixing to run a rabbit trail. I try not to do this. Um, and so what I mean by that, for you who don't know what that means, is I'm going to come off topic for a second. But you, you talked about your ego. What what do you define an ego as? 
Um, I guess there's uh, I would say there's a healthy element to having an ego. Like there's, I mean, to me, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this, but you know, the words like having pride in yourself, you know, having a healthy view of yourself, like pride and ego are kind of interchangeable in my mind. I don't know if that's really true or not. But like when I say having like a healthy ego, like what I mean is like I have a healthy view of myself where I don't I don't view myself too low, you know, but I don't view myself too high either. Um, But what I was meaning in my story is like my ego was out of control. I had too much ego. And so I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew more. Actually, I thought I knew more than everybody else. Um, I was working a, um, a, like a, a job as a custodian at the, at the time. Um, a, uh, master of custodial arts. <laughs> and, uh, like I would be sitting there like scrubbing toilets and thinking, why am I not the president of the United States? Like while I'm scrubbing a toilet. So yeah. like, you know, my ego was just way out of control and um but I so I think an ego is one of those things where it can be beneficial because if you have no pride in yourself and you have you know low self-esteem and your self-esteem is just you know in the gutter well then you know that's not helpful either that's going to that's going to interfere with any kind of forward progress that you can make in your recovery um I remember um in early early recovery um you know my sponsor telling me go look in yourself in the mirror every morning and say say to yourself i like you i love you and i respect you and i was like man that is really hard and it's still, really weird too huh it, it's, it seemed weird but i understood the the reasoning behind it because if i don't love and like and respect myself and how, how am i going to be able to do that and show that to, to anybody else and love and respect and like anybody else it make it made, it made sense it just felt really weird but yeah having a healthy balance with your ego and your pride um i think is an important thing to do also very hard the reason I asked that is because I've been reading a book, and um, in that book, it, it talked about ego, and I, like you, usually, I would just, when I would say ego, I would automatically, in my head, talk about pride, you know, and then that would go to arrogant, you know, arrogance would go to ego, but really, um, the book explains that that your ego is how you see yourself, and I was like, wow, I mean, yeah. it, one of those epiphany moments, like, You've been doing this this long, and you've really never known what an ego is. I mean, I knew that going into recovery, like you mentioned, it was out of control, but I really never nailed it down. But when the the author of this book explained it, you know, that's kind of just the way I see myself. I was like, huh. So there, it could be, you know, self-defeating, like where I just see myself as a piece of crap. So I I need to say those affirming words in a mirror, or I could see myself as a, you know, egocentrical or you know where i got a chip on my shoulder yeah it's it 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 can be it can be played both ways like you mentioned but you know your comments it brings us to rule two which means that you're never an expert uh that is i I just went on a show the other day i did a podcast uh with nikki bell and he in his 
as we open that up, I, I started by explaining to his listeners that I was not an expert in the sense of having a doctorate degree in addiction because that's what the um, the podcast was on. The show was on addiction, and that I, I wasn't um, you know accredited through academic work, but I was an expert in the sense that I had the experience of overcoming addiction. But I hope that didn't come off arrogant to think that I've got it all figured out because as I shared on his show and I share on this show that I don't have it all figured out. That's the reason I'm still doing it. I've picked up some tools and some tips along the way that's helped me to stay sober, but I hope I never get to a point to where I think that it's all figured out that Roger's got the master plan. And if y'all would just listen to Roger, then you'll be okay. You can be sober just like me because that's not the story I'm trying to give out here because I I have to remain teachable, not only in sobriety, but in just life. If I quit being uh, teachable, then I can find myself set up for failure because if I'm not willing to be taught new things, that means I'm unwilling to learn new things. And then I quit growing as a person. And my past and experience has just shown me that turns out to be very bad in my life. Yeah. And I think, you know, recovery, like living recovery and working a recovery program is different than other things. Um, like most of the, most of the time in life, like having self-knowledge, having knowledge is power, but in working a recovery program, knowledge does not necessarily equal power because when I relapsed after multiple years of sobriety, like I knew the things that I was supposed to be doing. I knew how to stay sober. I knew all the, I, I mean, I had learned all the spiritual tools that they had taught me um, in 12 step recovery, but I had quit using them. It, what, what I have found is, is when I've stopped living recovery and stopped taking action, that's when, you know, I, I usually run into problems. So, you know, I would say that I'm an expert in um, in addiction as far as I've lived it. But I would definitely not say I'm an expert in addiction because and and I'm going to stay sober forever in the future because of it. I, I would not say that because I don't know. Um, God willing, I keep doing, you know, working my my recovery program and, and keep on taking action and keep on doing the same things that's kept me sober all these years, you know, that I, I will stay sober, uh, in, you know, in the future. But, you know, you I, I don't know. And so um, that's so basically, where... Basically, you're saying see rule one. Yeah, see, go back to rule one. Yeah, like it can, it can happen. And I think that's one of the things that's been different this time is like I know it can happen because it, it did happen to me. And so I I can't like, it. you know, I know we'll probably talk about this at the end, but I know because it did happen to me, I can never say that won't happen because it's already happened. So um, in some ways, you know, I've learned. I learned at least that one lesson uh, during that relapse. That hey, I'm never gonna be. Um, you know, I'll never be able to say I'm not gonna relapse. 
And they, even when, even when you know me and uh, my wife Dakota were were getting like you know marriage counseling, premarital counseling, and stuff, and you know it was something that we talked about. You know what what will happen if I relapse? Like I even brought that possibility into that because it is that real of a possibility that it should have been talked about. Right. I hope that's getting your name off that checking account pretty quick. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> 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 yeah, we got one. We got one checking account. I guarantee, you if it happens in my house, my wife is <laughs> addiction as well, uh, in recovery. And so, if one of us relapse, that's going to be the first thing I do. There won't be a oh, we'll see if everything's okay. Now, names are coming off checking account. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so, rule three is your friends are often not who you think they are. Uh, your friends are often not who you think they are. W- what do you mean by that, Roger? Well, I mean this. Um, when you first decide to get sober, you're going to be afraid to get sober because you may lose your friends. Things may change in your life, and you say, well, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, don't want to give up these people. And so you find yourself going back to places you shouldn't. You know, if you're if you were a big drinker, you maybe you'll just go to the bar and shoot pool with your buddies because you know y'all have been friends for so long. My experience has taught me that I'm not saying that all of those people that that I used to run around with in addiction were bad people because they they're not. Uh, I still have a few of those friends. But they're not as close to me as I thought they were. In fact, they were not as healthy for me as I needed. And it wasn't their fault that I did drugs. Don't mishear what I'm saying. But I had to make sure that I separated myself from the circles of influence that were bringing me down. And I needed to put myself around uh, more positive people. And those positive people for me were in the rooms of recovery. Why do I say they were positive? Because a lot of them or even against my beliefs today. Like I'm not saying I've got it all together and I don't cuss at all, but I try not to cuss all the time. And usually when I was at a recovery meeting, they cussed a whole lot so much so that I just got sick of hearing it. And so I didn't want to do that and I didn't want to be around that. So I had to change my recovery groups to not be around that as much so that I wouldn't continue doing that. So the same principle works when you first get sober If you want to stay sober, if you want to get sober, then you've got to quit running around with the people who you associate and call friends with and make more new, healthier friends. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you if you were anything like me, I would I'm I put all the blame in early recovery on all the different, you know, uh, relapses that I would have. Um, You know, I'd get back from a rehab and then I'd start hanging out with those old friends. Well, when I relapse with them, I would blame them. You know, I'd be like, you know, it's not my fault. You know, it's just, you know, these friends, they just won't leave me alone. You know, they keep calling me, you know, or whatever. Um, The the list went on and on and on. And I see people doing that today, um, you know, blaming it on having that negative influence. I I had a construction job um, through a lot of my addiction. I always had some type of construction job. You do not look like a construction guy at all. Oh, dude, I wasn't. It was just <laughs> the only type of jobs I could get. I wasn't good at it. <laughs> Most of the halftime, I was I was uh, sweeping. You know, I was just like a rent a drunk. You know, <laughs> rent a drunk. Your tools, your tools are gonna come up missing. I mean, there's no telling them if I'm even gonna show up. It, it, I was a terrible worker. But anyway, like I'll, I, I kind of blamed. 
I, I kind of blamed, you know, a lot of my uh, relapses and stuff like that on the fact that, hey, you know, just the construction industry, everybody's using drugs, you know, and I would blame other people, you know, even though um, it was it was always my decision to do it. But, you know, your your friends, I, I would define a friend, a true friend as someone who has your best interest in mind and somebody who knows that you have a problem with drugs or alcohol and will offer them to you to me is not a friend at all. Right. When I um, first came out of rehab, well, let me me preface this with a little bit. Uh, Before I went into rehab, before I got sober, I sold a lot of drugs and my house uh, would just, people would stop by all the time unannounced just to buy stuff. And a few of those would call me to get stuff because they knew me for different reasons. It was more than just a dope bill. I mean, we were acquaintances. Maybe won't use the friend's word here. So I go to rehab, I come back, and I, I ditch the phone because I don't want people calling me anymore. I don't want to have temptations there. And this guy ends up getting my number again somehow or another. And he keeps saying, hey, man, let me come get some of those things from you. And I'm like, man, I, I quit. I don't do that no more. And no, no, man, come on, really? You know, yeah. Let me get a few. <laughs> you ain't got to hold out on me, man. It's cool. No, man, I, I'm done. And this went on forever. Like he kept calling, asking me, like I'm mm-hmm. holding out. I'm like, no, dude, really, I'm not doing this stuff no more. Yeah. And it was difficult because I was calling this guy a friend, but he just kept trying to. I mean, but that's the same stuff I did. Right. And that's a good point to. To understand is that just because you get sober, all your friends or those acquaintances won't. Oh yeah, and so and they'll, and they'll say stuff, to, you know, trying to pull you back in, like, "Oh, you think you're better than me now?" And they'll, you know, there's all kind of things that they try to do to get you to, you know, to pull you back in. But you know, you ha- you you've got to separate yourself from those people by any means necessary, even if it feels like, and and it does at the time, um, it feels like you're you know, you're being a jerk to them or whatever, or you, you know, um, but I mean, you've got to do that to protect yourself. I had several of my friends that would even say those things like, oh, he's just too good for us now. He can't come with us. And and it wasn't that. I never thought that I was too good for them. But you're going to be faced with that if you try to make that separation, more than likely. But those same people who said that to me then I have had throughout the years call me wondering how I got sober yep. you know, and want to do what I did. So just because you're doing, making a hard decision in sobriety doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. Right. And nobody ever pour, poured liquor, liquor down my, my throat or, or shot my arm up with veins. Nobody forced me to do it. Every time I did it, I did it because I wanted to, you know. Exactly. Well, rule four is probably one that works in life in general, but if it's too good to be true, it is. Mm. All right. So I can go a lot of different ways with this one. I'm going to go one that's going to get controversy here and, and we're going to get some hate mail and y'all, I want to make sure you get it to the right name. That's going to be at Jason. (laughs) No, here's the deal. Um, I realize I've been sober a little while now, and some of these drugs, there's even terms for it now. Is it MAT? Um, medically assisted treatment. treatment. That was not even a term when I got sober. I've been sober 16 years now. Hey, by the way, April the 30th was my 16 year. 
Oh, um, man. I know. I didn't even get to say anything about it or anything, but it was just a few days ago from the time of this recording. Congratulations. 16 years. Yeah, well, I give God all the credit for that. Uh, so anyways, I, I, that was not a term at all. Um, and so back then, the best thing we had was methadone. Yeah. And I guess that still would be considered medically. Uh, it is. They, yeah, they consider that. Yeah. But that's, uh, the term was not tossed around yet. Um, and that was the saving grace for people that I knew. Well, the more I saw people get on it, the worse they got hooked on it. And then, like, even in, in detox, I saw people trying to withdraw off that stuff, and it was worse than the drugs that they were on in the beginning. Now, Way worse. I don't know all the ins and outs because I didn't get on that stuff too bad because it really screwed my high up. I just did not like it. So, But I watched these folks in, in rehab detox off of it, and they told me to get in your bone marrow and all that, and I'm not a doctor or any of that stuff, but I saw how bad they were going through it. I was going through it, but they seem to even go longer and, and with worse withdrawals. It is worse. Definitely. So my point is this, is you may be one of those in here who goes, well, I just want to go the easier, softer way. I want to take the Suboxone. I want to take the methadone. I want to do this other stuff so that I can get sober easily and everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies when I get done. Well, if it sounds too good to be true, then it is. I, I don't believe that just because you go that route, it's easier getting sober. I just don't believe that. No. You can argue that with me, and that's fine, um, but I just personally don't believe that. I think sometimes it's better just to go through it. Um, part of the consequences of our actions is you're going to face withdrawals. That's part of going through detox and going through it all. If you're going to get sober, it's going to be hard. It's bottom line. If you're looking to get sober and, and it be easy, well, good luck. You know, it's just not going to happen. If it was easy to get sober, there would be a lot more people sober. Yeah. Because they're not. Yeah. I mean, I, I've made, I mean, we both have made no bones um, on this subject about it and in, in, on our podcast a couple times before, you know, we're not really fans of medically assisted treatment. I mean, I am. I mean, as far as Suboxone being used in early recovery for a very short period of time, that's different than just taking it and saying, this is my recovery program. It's just taking Suboxone, which I know plenty of people who do. And, you know, my thoughts on that is that if you don't want to actually work on the things that led to your addiction in the first place, and you've made up in your mind that, hey, it's either Suboxone or shooting up and killing myself. Well, then, yeah, definitely take the Suboxone. But if you want to to do the real work of recovery that is required for any type of long-term sobriety, well, then at some point you're going to have to deal with those problems, those underlying issues that you know the addiction is just a symptom of. And the only way to do that, I think, personally, is without any kind of uh, daily taking of narcotics, because that's what these medicines are. They're they're narcotics. And um, I mean, I went I've went to the methadone clinic for a couple of years. It was horrible. I went I did the whole Suboxone thing for almost two years. And so I I've, I've taken these drugs. I've lived it. And I wasn't there wasn't any way for me personally. This is just me. 
there was no way that I was going to do and work a real recovery plan and and be honest with myself like you have to do in recovery um, on these medications. Now, if it comes down to, you know, you know, I'm going to either take this or I'm going to just keep using drugs and kill myself. Well, then definitely take those drugs. I definitely think they have they are a piece of the puzzle in early recovery, I think. But as far as a recovery plan for long term, I don't think they are. And but, you know, that goes with rehabs, too. You hear these rehab commercials where it's like, hey, come to this rehab, you know, or wherever, and you'll be cured when you leave. Whenever you hear, whenever I hear somebody say you're going to be cured or you're going to be delivered forever and you're never going to use drugs again, that whole magic bullet, it always raises red flags to me. And that, and that's just the epitome of this rule. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Because in my experience, you know, recovery takes real uh, persistent work. Yeah, because. You know, we're, we're talking about the rules of recovery. And in, even in the beginning, we said maybe these would work for you outside of a 12-step program because I think this is the foundation for any type of recovery. And oftentimes, many people, whether they take the 12-step approach or not, they'll find themselves in a rehab. And if your thoughts like mine are like, I'm going to go to rehab, I'm going to detox, I'm going to go there, do their little curriculum, and then I'll be healed when I come out, then you're, you're holding on to the idea that, it, you know, it's, it's just going to be that simple. It's going to be that easy, and that's just not true. Most people will view a treatment center like they do a, a doctor's visit. Yeah. You know, I'll just go in there and get the treatment, then I'm good. Yeah. I just don't believe that because whether you go to a treatment center and get detoxed and leave, um, whether you take some kind of medically assisted treatment and that's it, all you've done is treated the physical aspect of your addiction. You've not got to the emotional or the spiritual aspect of it. That are those are the things that you've got to dig deeper into, and there's just not an easy way to do that. There's, there's just, not a pill for that, you know. Addiction is a complex issue. It's it's spiritual, physical, mental. It's all those things, and there's no magic bullet that can that can cure all of that at one time. And I see I see really family members of addicted um, people when they send them to rehab, they expect the rehab to fix them. Right. You know, and then when it doesn't happen, you know that it, it, it's hard for them to understand. So this is our fifth rule, and I won't stay here too long. But um, rule five is relapse is not a requirement. Why do you say that? Because I hear these these ideas get tossed around a lot. That well, everybody relapses. No, everybody doesn't. No, uh, they they don't. Now. You say, well, Roger, you've done mention you went to rehab several times. True, fair enough. But I don't even really consider those previous times in rehab me ever trying to get sober. When I went to um, to rehab, when I went to meetings and I wanted to get sober, I went for myself. I put myself in there. I made the phone calls. Mom and dad didn't do all that stuff for me. It was about me and me only because I had to make a change in my life. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And since that moment, 
relapse has not been a requirement for me. I have had, I've not had to relapse. Now, I know that's not everybody's story, but when I actually, I think you said you made the college attempt at it. Yeah, the college well, try. Yeah. So when I really tried and did what everybody suggested and not just kind of rolled around the edges and seeing just how much it would take for me to get sober, and I just dove feet first into it, then I've not had to relapse. And I, I pray that I don't have to relapse. You know, I try to be teachable. I try to keep good friends in my life. I try to do all the things that we've mentioned so that it, it doesn't have to, so I don't have to start at ground one because I believe that my pride or even my ego, however we want to talk about that today, uh, that would keep me out and not come back in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I did relapse after some decent um, time at sobriety. And so, you know, but I don't think it's a requirement. I did learn a lot from it, but, you know, it, it's it, it got really bad <laughs> really quick on that last one. Um, and I just don't know, you know, you, you never have a guarantee that you'll even be able to come back from it. The, the recovery that you're walking right now, if you are sober, if you're listening to this and you're sober, this could be your last chance. Your next chance out there could be your life, or it could be somebody else's life. You just don't know. There's no guarantees that you'll be able to come back, because um, I, I see people roll the dice with that all the time. You know, they, they get a, a lurking notion, and they have an excuse come up. You know, mom died or uh, the girlfriend left them or whatever, and they say, well, they tell themselves, I'm just going to go out and just, you know, for the weekend, and I'll get back in the meetings, you know, on Monday. But you don't know. I mean, we see people um, lose their lives all the time to this disease because it's progressive. It is. Um it's definitely progressive and it will continue continuously get worse. And so if you find yourself out there listening to us today and um, maybe you're trying to get sober, maybe you are sober, or maybe you're just white knuckling it, trying to figure out your way through it, um, whether you do a 12 step model of recovery or not, these five rules um, are what we suggest that you at least put in at the foundation of your recovery, which is rule one, that it can happen to you. What do we mean by that? Well, we mean that you should look for the similarities. Don't look for the differences. Um, apply the yet principle that you're eligible to. Uh, so don't ever think that you're an expert, which is rule two, um, that no matter what you're going through, um, remain teachable, remain humble to learn more about what you're doing. Rule three, your friends are not always who you think they are. And so you may need to change your influence of friends to a new person uh, or a new group of people to remove yourself from the temptation that may come with them. Rule four is that if it's too good to be true, well, it is. Uh, don't look for the easier, softer way. Um, Recovery is hard. Detox is harder. So, you know, don't don't take the easier, softer way. Look for uh, strong people who can lead you down the right road. And even though it will be tough, it'll be worth it. And then finally, um, relapse is not a requirement. No matter where you find yourself, if it if it has been that you relapse dozens of times, um, 
then hang with it. You know, good times are still coming. If you're above ground and breathing without a chocolate around you, then God has give, has got a plan and a purpose for you. If there's breath in your lungs, there's another day to try. And so I encourage you, no matter how bad you think it may be, uh, there's hope for you too. And if nothing else to, today, understand that you are important and you are worth it. And I love you and God loves you too. There's always hope. If we can kiss over and stay sober, then you can too. All right, Jason, that is another one in the books, man. We thank you all for listening to us and follow us on sh- social media. If you like the show, always feel free to leave us a review or rate the show on any of the podcast platforms. And until next week, we will see you again. I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.